When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to the Tuesday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Douglas Maurice, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird. I was just telling the guys I felt like my microphone was a little weird on the last podcast on the weekend pod. So if you thought that, I apologize for that. I hope it's a little better now. We're talking quarterbacks. We did this on the big Wednesday rapid fire last week. Great first question. Like, would you rather have the, these three young Ohio State quarterbacks or would you rather have one of the Big Ten veterans? And we went like 20 minutes on it, but I just want to go an hour on it. I just want to talk only about quarterbacks. We did speak with Ryan Day on Monday. Got some little, a little more quarterback intel, how things are progressing. But I want to put Ohio State's quarterback competition in the context of other quarterback competitions in college football right now that are going on at other schools and what other winning teams have done recently with young quarterbacks who don't have much experience. So I do think it's possible. And a lot of the times what I talk about here is just what's in my own head. And maybe I'm not reflective of the listening base or the fan base for Ohio state, Nathan, but I feel like I've been treating this quarterback competition so far as like, Man, they got a young quarterback. Nobody's ever played. I don't know. What are they going to do? And I think, actually, I have to realize this is normal. This is like what happens when you have a great quarterback and he moves on. And then this happens at great programs. And it is happening at great programs right now. And so the thing I'm trying to wrap my head around, Nathan, is this entirely just normal? And this is the way it goes. And the only reason it feels weird is because the truncated season last year prevented Stroud and Miller from getting any reps. And if they had gotten normal backup quarterback reps, then there'd be, this would just be completely a hundred percent. This is how it works. Or is there something still a little unusual of like, there's no real veteran. It's all three young guys who are within one class of each other. Like I, I, I'm having a little bit of a hard time with it because the research that we're, that I did that we're going to get into is making me think like, what am I freaking out about? I'm just like, oh, they're going to have a good enough quarterback for Oregon. It's like, I think there's like seven other major programs in the country asking similar questions of that, like that for the 2021 season. So like, what's your vibe on how unusual or odd this is, the shape of this Ohio State QB competition? 
The end result is not going to be that strange. The end result is going to be a freshman quarterback wins his job, either redshirt or true freshman. There's nothing that's that um, crazy about that. So the end result is not that strange, but I think the process is a little bit unique here. Again, as we've talked about many times, because it's only freshmen, it's only guys who've never thrown a pass, even though there's guys who've gotten into games. The fact that these guys have never had to square up against other than in practice, say an opposing defense and read it and make passes like that's never happened at the college level. And that's the only people that Ryan Day has to pick from to do this battle. That I do think is a little bit unique. And I think even as you're looking around the country, I'd be surprised if you found other examples where it's only guys like that. Now, I think the question that's worth asking is, okay, maybe some of these other examples, it's they have one redshirt freshman quarterback who's never thrown a pass, and he's going up against a couple of your just more standard backup quarterbacks who maybe did get into games and got experience. Well, what does that really mean? Because their ceiling is so much lower than the three guys that we're talking about at Ohio state. So wouldn't you rather have the three guys that Ohio state has than only one of them. And then a couple of just useful guys backing them up. You know what I'm saying? I think that's worth asking if we make too much of the fact that it's three guys and maybe not enough of the fact that it's three really great guys potentially who are all fighting for this job. Steven, what's your vibe on how unusual this is or not unusual? Yeah, the the uh, it's literally just a, they have not thrown a pass and they're in a quarterback battle. If you just look, I mean, the top 10, the other people who were in their recruiting class who are in a similar position to them were at, were at minimum back in a backup role or at least through one or two passes if they're not in a position where they're battling for a job like Texas is two quarterbacks from that Okay, okay. I got a list. I got a list. Don't jump okay, my cool. list. I won't jump but, the point. I'll just, but, but, the, the, but, yeah. but to the other point is like, I don't care if they I mean, two passes. That wouldn't be any different. If C.J. Stroud was one for two in his career, that wouldn't matter versus zero for zero, right? Right. It's the difference. If the people we're actually worried about in this comparison here those two guys were legitimate backup quarterbacks last year before they took over the role this year, while they didn't necessarily have that same uh, uh, path just because of how things worked out. How much did Bryce Young play last year? A decent amount, especially in blowouts. He probably threw about 30 passes. But so is that, is that it though? Like is that if, if CJ Stroud had was, 16 for 29 last year mm-hmm. with two touchdown passes, one pick, and he ran the ball seven times for 38 yards and a touchdown. Would we just be like, yeah, he's a backup. He's like, probably he's the favorite for the competition. He's the backup. He hasn't played that much. And he has two other guys who really haven't played. Like it was, is that where we would be? Like, is that, are we splitting hairs over the fact that CJ Stroud is not 17 for 29? He's zero for zero. It would seem even more like McCord and Miller had to surpass him than it does right now. But I guess in general, even beyond beyond the idea of who's going to win it, would we have more confidence in the winner of the battle being ready for Minnesota and Oregon if C.J. Stroud was 17 for 29 last year? I think you would just have an idea of what they're like in a real live game situation. But, but I, I do think it would. I think it would. I think it would maybe. If, I think it would speak to the confidence a little bit. I think it would speak to your confidence if he won the job that he's seen it more. And it would speak to your confidence, I guess, even more so that if, if for instance, Kyle McCord won the job that, that he was able to come in and make up that ground that where there was an even bigger gap. So DJ Uyunglele started two games last year because Trevor Lawrence got coached. So that's exceptional. That's just as unique though. He's just as unique as this situation. So that, 
that's unexpected. And I mean, he threw for 400 yards on the road at Notre Dame in an overtime game, right? Mm -hmm. So that is a great deal more. If we're just talking about the second half against Rutgers, maybe a couple series in the first half against a Mac team, you know, they probably don't play that much late in the year anyway. I think it's possible. And I'm saying me, I'm saying me, I'm saying all of us. Maybe we're putting too much on what going 17 for 29 and four blowouts. He got 11 series, you know, for the whole year. He was a quarterback for 11 series against horrible teams. How important that is. Nathan, is that possible that we are overemphasizing? So, because there's two things that we're talking about there. One is what Ryan Day and Corey Dennis, and we would have learned by that. He looked good. Oh, he fumbled. Oh, he threw a bad pick. Oh, he threw an awesome touchdown pass. He looked in control. He looked a little shaky, whatever. What we would have learned, maybe we'd feel better about our evaluation. And then there's what it would have done for the quarterback. C.J. Stroud would be, if he wins the job and he goes on the field for the first snap against Minnesota, he would feel much better because he would say, oh, this doesn't feel weird at all because I played three series in the second half of a Rutgers win when we won by 50. Right. Is that, is that real? I guess like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just, mm-hmm. I think maybe we're overemphasizing all that. I think it's possible that we are not overemphasizing it as far as the, the amount of um, data it gave Ryan day and Corey Dennis or whoever well, Ryan day mostly to make this decision right now. And I think we're maybe not even overemphasizing what effect it might have on how well somebody plays in the season opener, but I think we might be overemphasizing how good it means Ohio State's quarterback will be for the totality of the 2021 season. What do you think? Does that make sense? I, I think I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. We weren't if CJ Stroud would have went out there against Rutgers and and did exactly what Tate Martell did in 2018 and just gone 10 for 10. I mean, we wouldn't have learned. Oh, he's awesome. No, but it was. It's there is a him being able to him or Jack or. Kyle, obviously not, but him or Jack being able to walk out there for the Minnesota game and go, okay, I, I've been out here before. I know what to, to some degree, I've been out here before. I mean, to some extent, we answer our own question by the way we are already talking about this quarterback battle because Jack Miller was the first one that came in last season, went down, led a touchdown drive, ran for a touchdown, but doesn't get talked about in any sort of special way in 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 the midst of this battle because of other things we saw or just the fact that maybe we kind of dismissed that because of the circumstances so i think we've already sort of answered that a little bit ourselves even when sometimes we might be contradicting that yeah i i uh, i thought we asked ryan day some good quarterback questions on monday i thought it was uh, as much as i say we got to gather facts we got to gather facts i actually thought this was like there weren't as many questions about you know, there's a legend Cavazos question. There were a couple other sort of specific player questions, but we did have a little bit of a broad range of learning sort of where Ryan Day's head is about the quarterback battle. But but one thing I want to bring up, and I'm going to sprinkle in stuff like this during the course of it, and I didn't research this entirely because the other thing is, too, it's like we're having an in-depth quarterback discussion in March when it's the number one thing all season. So I don't want to, you know, go into every detail now because we have to do this for the next six months. Top five teams in the country last year, none of them had their quarterback back. Alabama won the national title with Mac Jones. He's gone. Ohio State lost the national title game with Justin Fields. He's gone. Clemson lost in the semifinal with Trevor Lawrence. He's gone. Notre Dame lost in the semifinal with Ian Book. He's gone. Texas A&M thought they should have made the playoff. They finished fourth in the final AP poll with Kellen Mond. He's gone. 
So, you know, they're all gone. So then you get to, okay, Oklahoma was sixth last year, Spencer Rattler back. Georgia was seventh last year, JT Daniels, who took over in the second half back. Cincinnati eighth last year, Desmond Ritter back. That's a question too. Who's the best quarterback in Ohio right now? We could have that discussion. Um, Brock Purdy, Iowa State. They finished ninth last year. He's back. Northwestern lost their quarterback, Peyton Ramsey. BYU 11th. A lot of BYU love last year. Zach Wilson, he's gone. Indiana was 12th. Michael Penix, he's back. And then Kyle Trask, Florida, got a lot of attention last year. They finished 13th. Kyle Trask is gone. This is a changing of the guard. There was a certain group of quarterbacks, right? By the way, you know who Notre Dame's quarterback is going to be? A noodle arm Wisconsin reject. If we have questions about whether Graham Mertz is like ready to be good for Wisconsin, the old guy that Graham Mertz scared off is like going to start at Notre Dame, Jack Cohn. So let's just be aware of like what some other options are. Notre Dame, it's like who are the two best teams north of the Mason-Dixon line? Notre Dame and Ohio State. I'm not sure Jack Cohn is any better than Gunnar Hoke. It's like Jack Cohn. No, that's, that's uh, I don't care. I am always, I slander Wisconsin quarterbacks on this podcast. It's like robots, fast food, and slandering Wisconsin quarterbacks. Like, that's what Nathan, that's what Notre Dame's trying to do. Like, oh, Jack Cohn. One time he did a thing. He like took Wisconsin, I guess, to the Big Ten championship game so they could lead Ohio State at the half. I mean, like, I agree with you. You're shrugging at that, like, who cares? Big Ten championship game. Congratulations. Because we know that. Because that wasn't Jack Cohn. That was Jack Cohn riding Jonathan Taylor and that offensive line, right? That's not, but that's what Notre Dame's doing. I think, like, if you if you said to Notre Dame, you want Jack, you want Jack Miller? They'd be like, yeah, we'll take him and maybe he'll win the job. And, like, Ohio State would be like, well, we like him too, but he's probably third here. You know what I mean? Like, that's Notre Dame. They were in the playoff last year. Can you imagine if Ohio State was like getting ready to start Wisconsin's reject quarterback this season? Well, yeah, if you're asking if I think, does Ryan Day look at Notre Dame and is jealous of their situation just because they have a veteran quarterback? No, I don't think he is. But do I think he looks at Clemson and is a little bit jealous, not because of who DJ Ugalele is, but because of the opportunity that he got as a freshman to sort of, of get real experience, major experience, not just a few series here and there, but like, game on the season on the line kind of experience and now gets to carry that into this year. I think he probably does have, I don't know if jealousy is the right word, but I think he sees that as like a, a plus that Clemson has over Ohio state as they stand here today. So now. is he jealous that <laughs> Trevor Lawrence got COVID and Justin Fields didn't? No, so he- it's not. No, no, obviously not. But I'm just saying that like there, there's an opportunity there that Clemson was able to take advantage of that Ohio state never had. Yeah, you're right. But also, I, I think Clemson forced the issue even before the COVID situation happened. They would randomly throw uh, DJ out there for like the fourth series of the game and just have Trevor standing outside, not doing anything. They, they, they would they do that a lot where they just throw a fresh. They would throw freshmen out there in random situations when the game actually matters just to get them experience. I, I don't think Ryan Day was ever in a position to do that either. Just because one less games. And also, I mean, you just can't afford that while with Clemson, they, they have a history of throwing true freshmen out in situations to get them real game experience. The, the games did matter. Ryan Day had fewer snaps to sort of mess around with. Ohio yeah. State was not in like mess around mode at any point last year, honestly. Maybe mm-hmm. other than the first game against Nebraska, the second half of that when Jack Miller got in. But, but barely. Late, but late. late. Very late. Literally. Didn't <laughs> happen against Rutgers. 
I mean, really not until again, until Michigan State, right? I mean, there really weren't those opportunities. You're right. But I also wonder if last year had been totally normal. I'm not so sure that like Ryan Day is exactly that. I, I don't know that Ryan Day would have been like, oh, the fourth series in a random game. Here comes CJ Stroud, which is like, I think that's a little bit of a credit to Dabo because on one hand, and I want to get into this a little bit, on one hand, I think a lot of us just view DJ a certain way, right? That like DJ is the same class as CJ Stroud, but he got those snaps last year. He played in those games and he's just much more of a sure thing. They're the same age and DJ was one spot higher in the quarterback ranking. So like, why? Because Nathan, to your point on one hand, yes, maybe Ohio state's jealous that DJ got that experience last year and CJ didn't. On the other hand, when they put DJ in on the road at Notre Dame, for a team that's trying to compete for a national championship, he threw for 400 yards as a true freshman. So the experience is good, but what he did is maybe a thing of like, well, I, like why won't CJ Stroud do that against Oregon? What would lead you to believe that he won't do exactly what DJ Uyunglele did against Notre Dame when he's throwing to Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and handed the ball to Travion Henderson and Master Teague and throwing the ball to Jeremy Rucker, right? Nathan, so I agree with you. It'd be nice to have the experience, but it's also a, a, a point to say, well, young guys can step in and do it. That, that's very true. I also think it's worth, we always keep coming back to like the situation that they're in right now with the three guys and this, this battle that's going on and what are going to be the repercussions when somebody doesn't win this battle and how it all really goes back to not decisions that Ryan Day made, but decision failures in recruiting that led to this. And I kind of... It, that also played into last season a little bit too, because what very few, they, they, the other reason they couldn't have done that as th the way that Clemson did was Clemson had one heir apparent for this job. And in order for Ohio state to have done the same thing with that DJ that Clemson did with DJ, they kind of would have had to really pick one guy to go with in that same way. Right. I, Cause if you're splitting it, it doesn't have that same impact. Also Ohio Ryan days had an experienced quarterback once since he's been here. I think that plays a role in it too. Trevor Lawrence didn't need those extra random snaps against, you know, the Citadel because he's Trevor Lawrence and he's a three-year starter. He had Dwayne for a year as a first-year starter. And then with Justin, it was always, he needs the snaps. He needs the snaps because he has no experience. And then obviously the year was shortened last year. So he's never been in a position where the starting quarterback, you could just snatch him off the field real quick against a team. You know, you're going to beat by 40 points because he's got enough snaps. He's, pretty experienced without about we get our young our young guys some experience here in the second quarter instead of waiting to the fourth quarter he had jt in 2017 as the offensive court if you're using Dwayne, he was the offensive coordinator in D jt's last yeah. year in 2017 and they didn't they didn't trot Dwayne and joe out there i'm, I'm like more that. yeah so maybe i'm more as him as a, a a head coach now and not necessarily when he's the guy in charge so so nathan you get to an interesting point and we'll get to that right after this on buckeye talk Doug Maurice, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird. We're doing the gas station snacks. Make sure you're part of that. You're getting the spring football updates. You're getting recruiting updates. You're getting basketball updates. You are getting a lot of different stuff with the tech subscriber experience right now. It's a 14-day free trial. It's four bucks a month after that. If you want to be part of it, if you never tried it, try it now. 614-350-3315. You send a text to there. And on the last podcast, I was joking around and I, about my colon and... I said maybe we'll have a separate uh, poop subscription. And if you want to, if you want the poop texts, just text poop and you'll get the poop texts. At least four poop replies 
on the tech subscribers. So that's the people who want more poop texts. So it was a joke, but I like it's a reminder that people are actually listening to the things that come out of our mouths. Um, there's also another thing that you should. Uh, I read a text and it's one of those things where I read the words in order a certain way and it like made me so angry. And then I realized that were what they were saying. And it was a very interesting text and a well thought out text, but it's just my ego exploded it for like three seconds, which is, I'll get to that in a second. Um, but what you brought up Nathan, and I think is partly what's happening here. We are, I think treating the Ohio state, quarterback situation as more complicated and more unknown and more in flux because they have three options. Whereas Bryce young is going to start at Alabama, right? I don't even know who else is there. He was the number one quarterback recruit in 2020. He's replacing Mac Jones. He's the starter. DJ was the number two quarterback recruit in 2020. He's replacing Trevor Lawrence. He's the starter. C.J. Stroud was the number three quarterback recruit in 2020. He's replacing Justin Fields. He's maybe the starter. And actually, having two other good guys really should put Ohio State in a better position. But I feel like we so far are kind of treating it like more of a less certain position because those the three powerhouse schools that we talk about all the time are in the exact same spot. They have second-year quarterbacks who are the three best quarterbacks in the country in their class, and they're all replacing first-round quarterbacks who led their programs to new heights. But I feel like we, if it would almost be easier, Nathan, if Jack Miller and CJ and, and Kyle McCord didn't exist. And it'd be like, oh, well, just like Bam and Clemson, CJ Stroud stepping in for a, for a star. Right. But that's, is yep. it, is it actually, isn't it better? Isn't Ohio state in a better situation than Bama and Clemson because of the options or are they actually in a worse, actually in a worse situation because of the options or do we just treat it as more complicated? Well, I think part of what bleeds into this is that thing that it's maybe sort of a pessimistic fan mentality or an overly worried fan mentality of like, what if they pick the wrong guy? Like they've got like a shot to get this right. And if you pick the wrong guy and then the other dudes leave, like, cause they saw that's how they got Justin Fields, frankly. I mean, part of the reason they got Justin Fields. So I think that that kind of creep that hangs over this decision in a way that I don't think it hangs over. Cause like I said, at the end of the day, the end result will be the same. The end result will be the same as with Alabama and with Clemson and with these, these other programs, but it's not the same process that gets you there. And th it is uh, a complicating factor in just sort of the optics of it that you have to, that there's more of a decision being made here than there is at those other places. They're going to say there's a process at the other places and they've got to go out and earn it and whatever, et cetera. But really here, it, it's a full on competition between three guys and it's also happening where we can't see it. Yeah. No, Clemson and Alabama are fully leaned in to the Bryce Young DJ experience, but it goes, this goes back to a conversation we had during the season of should Ohio state be going after a five-star quarterback in every recruiting class, because this is going to be the conversation we're going to have Every two years, if things work out and these guys are three and done guy, every two years we're going to have this conversation of is Ohio State going to pick the wrong guy? Who's going to win the job? While with, as you look at with Alabama and Clemson, they and even we, we can throw Oklahoma into this as well because they're doing the same thing. 
every other year they go get their five star. And so with those teams, you know, Caleb Williams at Oklahoma is the heir apparent to Spencer Rattler. You know, DJ is the heir apparent. And then after him, it'll be Kay Kubnick. You know, with Alabama right now, it's Bryce Young. And then, and then it'll be Ty Simpson after that, after Bryce Young. You know that. You see that progression happening. While with Ohio State, every two years, maybe even every year, you're going to be asking the question, who's Ohio State's starting quarterback? I don't know if it's a worse place or a better place. It's just an interesting situation that Ohio State is putting themselves in because they want to go get the five-star every year. So, so let, me ask, let me ask it this way. So, well, let's, let's say Alabama starts practice in August. And Bryce Young comes out and he's throwing every pass over the fence of the practice field. He's just awful. Like he's, he's incredibly inaccurate. And as they try to coach him up, he, get, he goes into a shell. He gets nervous. And they look around and I don't know who else is there, but I don't think there's any other guys who are the number one quarterback in their class. And they say, well, what do we do? I guess we have to go with this guy. At Ohio State, if the guy that is the presumptive favorite comes out in August and is throwing the ball over the fence, and every time they try to coach him up, he goes to a shell, Ryan Day is going to turn and say, now you're up to the next guy. So Bryce Young, DJ, CJ Stroud, they're at those their schools. Is Kyle McCord's existence a good or a bad thing? If you put Kyle McCord at Alabama behind Bryce Young, at Clemson behind DJ or here behind CJ. Does he make that team better? Does he make that quarterback situation better, Nathan? Or does the existence of Kyle McCord somehow make it worse? Because there's a guy right there. Now, listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to dismiss Jack Miller. There might be another guy who was ranked in the 300s at Alabama or Clemson. It's just not quite the same, right? We're talking about CJ's a five-star McCord's practically a five-star and they're back to back on top of each other. But right, Nathan, like, I'm not trying to be like, that's not insane that it's like Kyle McCord's like, oh, I picked Clemson and he's standing there behind DJ. Would Clemson be right now going like, oh my God, what are we going to do? We have two guys. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Like is, is Kyle McCord good or bad for a program when you have a five-star a year ahead of it? I guess I don't see how it's bad for the program. I think, but we're acting have... like it's bad, right? Aren't I'll, we acting I'll, like I'll, it's bad? I don't bad? think we're acting like it's I bad. So. I just think, I, I think we're acting like it's interesting. It's an interesting approach. I mean, every it's got good and bad. The bad is, yes, you got a kid. He's probably going to be, he, you, so you might run into a situation where a guys looking over his shoulder while at Clemson, Alabama, they don't have to deal with that. But at the same time, you can you get you get the best possible person to be your starting quarterback because Iron Chopper's Iron, these guys are going to be competing in the room. There's no it's not a good or a bad thing. It's just an interesting approach that Ohio State is taking to finding its starting quarterback, where the most of the other teams that they're in a tier with or in a conversation with have clearly taken this other route that seems a little bit more seamless to go from starting quarterback to starting quarterback. I mean, I guess I, I, mean, I think I, I know there are people who are asking the question about whether this is an unnecessary complication. Should Ohio State have approached it different? I just have never bought into the idea that instead of getting Kyle McCord, Ohio State should have got some guy ranked a four star, but ranked in the 300s, a guy just from Ohio, whatever, a guy comfortable coming here to be a backup. I don't really I don't think that makes the room better. Um, and I don't think they needed to do that. I, I've kind of rejected that. From We've had this debate on the podcast from the beginning. I, I've always rejected that. Okay, so I want to talk about, as Stephen mentioned, the 2020 class. And that this is, this is quite a thing, that these second-year guys are in a lot of situations to go. 
Number one quarterback in 2020, Bryce Young, he's going to start at Alabama. Number two quarterback, DJ Uyunglele, he's going to start at Clemson. CJ Stroud was number three. Number four was Hudson Card, who is at Texas and is in a quarterback fight to replace Sam Ellinger. Now, he has a third-year guy ahead of him, Casey Thompson, who I don't think has done much. It feels like what people are writing right now, it feels like they sort of think Hudson Card might win that job. So that is another second-year guy who might be a starting quarterback in a big-time program. The number five guy in that class was another guy who went to Texas. I'm not sure where he is now. Number six was Luke Doty, who is in line to be the starting quarterback at South Carolina this year. Number seven is Harrison Bailey, who is in a fight right now to be the starting quarterback at Tennessee. He is battling the West, the uh, Virginia Tech starting quarterback who transferred to Tennessee, Hendon Hooker. But it's a battle, and I think people think it could go either way. Now, Nathan, that's a little more of a traditional veteran young guy. If the young guy is not quite ready, you can play the Virginia Tech transfer. So that's, but the guy's in the fight, but that's more of a traditional thing. It's sort of, then, sort of what Michigan's doing, not yeah. to jump ahead to 2021, but sort of what Michigan's doing right now, too. And then number nine, and this I think is, was eye-opening for me again, is a guy named Haynes King at Texas A&M. And Texas A&M, who is replacing Kellen Mond, who is not as good as Justin Fields, is going through exactly what Ohio State is going through right now. It's just a JV version of it. They have a three-person quarterback competition at Texas A&M between a 2019 guy named Zach Calzada, who is the number 487 overall player. Haynes King in 2020, who was the number 131 overall player. And a guy named Eli Stowers, who's a true freshman, like Kyle McCord, who's the number 80, the number 168 overall player. And they are replacing, none of them have very much experience, they are replacing an established guy. Texas A&M thought they should have been in the playoff last year, right? But I think if Kyle McCord was at Texas A&M, he'd be the favorite, right? I mean, I think it's just – so it's in another example of as, as, as sort of unusual as this feels, there are a lot of 2020 guys in the mix right now, Stephen, and that's the point that I want to make. It's the point that you started to bring up that I, I just think you you are transitioning. There was a really good class of older guys. And when you talk about this from an NFL draft standpoint, a lot of reasons that people are making moves for quarterbacks in this draft is because they think the draft class in 2022 next year is not going to be as good. So it's Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, all right now. People are going after them. They're leaving a hole, Stephen, and that that a lot of those holes. Sam Ellinger was a big time college player. Kyle Trask. A lot of those holes are being plugged by young guys that we lost. There was this great class in twenty twenty, this twenty eighteen class with Fields and and Lawrence and some other guys. But what is happening at Ohio State to varying degrees? That's what's happening at a lot of places, Stephen. Yeah, and I think they're right. Like, next year's draft class is not going to be as solid. And you can look at the recruiting. I mean, there was only two five-star recruits in that class, and then Spencer Rattler and Bo Nix, who's obviously entering his third year as a starter. And Spencer's probably going to be the first quarterback taken off the board. After that, Jaden Daniels and Graham Mertz and Sam Howell down the list and whatnot. But, and then 2022 is when it gets crazy again because there's already five five-star recru- recruits in that class, like quarterback. What we're seeing with this 2020 class is a lot of these guys were in situations where it's, you sit for a year and you learn and then you start for two years and you get out of here. And 
Spencer Rattler being in 2019 is kind of on that same path. But yeah, it's that's most quarterback situations when you're in the uh, uh, the world of going for top 100, top 150 quarterbacks. That's what you want. You want to have a guy who's a your starting quarterback, and that guy spends his freshman year learning behind that guy. He gets backup reps which is anywhere from like Haynes King. He threw the ball four times last year to where um, Bryce Young threw it 22 times. That's where the little, and then you take over as a sophomore and junior. And then your junior year, you've got the true freshman behind you learning, doing the same thing you did as a freshman. And then they start for two years and that cycle just continues on. That's just, and that's what makes Ohio State's interesting and Texas A&M to an extent as well, because they're going through a similar thing. It's just their CJ Stroud for all intents and purposes actually got to throw a pass. That's the only difference. Four passes. Yeah. Literally, that's the only difference is he actually got to throw the ball again. Which is, which, that, it's which, is but which frankly is no difference. Yeah. It really, is, it's no difference. No. So I, I will say, though, I was just trying to go through where guys are, what classes these quarterbacks are that are going to be like the big time guys this year. From the 2017 class, so fifth year guys, right? Their fifth year in college. It's Miles Brennan at LSU, who was probably one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the country returning, and Sean Clifford at Penn State. Those were the guys that popped to me. 2018, you've got JT Daniels, who was the number three overall recruit in 2018, transferred from USC to Georgia. We had multiple people say when we were sent out our quarterback survey after the discussion on last Wednesday's pod, like, don't make sure you're keeping an eye on JT Daniels. And we know that there's this kid, Matt Corral or Matt Coral. I apologize. I don't know. Coral Coral Mm -hmm. from Old Miss. He was really good last year. He was the number eight quarterback in that class. He's around Phil Jerkovic. Um, Started at Notre Dame, transferred to BC. He's Halfley's quarterback. He was the number 10 quarterback that year. Emory Jones at Florida, one-time Ohio State commit. He was the number 11 quarterback that year. He might take over at Florida this year. Adrian Martinez was the number 14 quarterback in that class. He's still around at Nebraska. Dorian Thompson-Robinson at UCLA was the number four quarterback in that class. He's still around too. Then you get to the 2019 guys. Spencer Rattler was number one, which is why Spencer Rattler is like the guy to watch this year. Bo Nix at Auburn, he's been playing forever. I'm not sure how good he is. He was the number two quarterback in that class. As mentioned by Steven, Jaden Daniels at Arizona State, number three. And then we've got to get into this guy. This was my fault. I dropped the ball on this. We did not really discuss him on the Big Ten discussion before. The number four overall quarterback in the class of 2019 was Ryan Helinski, who is Northwestern's quarterback now. He went to South Carolina. He transferred to Northwestern. For all the Graham Mertz love we've given Graham Mertz, Graham Mertz was fifth that year. Ryan Helinski was fourth. So Northwestern got its version of Graham Mertz, right? Sam Howell, number six in that class at North Carolina, probably the two best quarterbacks in the country are Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler coming into this season. And then Talia Tonga-Vailoa, number eight in that class. So that's what we're talking about. And then we go to the 2020 guys. So those third-year guys, it's Rattler and Howell. And then a lot of guys kind of, you know, who don't have a ton of experience yet. You got JT Daniels in 2018. Steven, it just feels like, The point I want to make here is North Carolina's got Sam Howell. Oklahoma's got Spencer Rattler, JT Daniels at Georgia, Keaton Slovis at USC, a couple different guys. There are a lot of places where the quarterback position for for this season is kind of in flux. And we have talked about Oklahoma and Georgia as the teams for Ohio State to watch out for this year. And part of the reason we mentioned them is because they do have quarterbacks. But it's one of those things like, If Trevor Lawrence was back as a senior at Clemson, 
And it was like, oh, can Ohio State compete with Clemson to win the national title this year? It's like, what are you talking about? They have Trevor Lawrence. He's a senior. Ohio State literally does not have a quarterback who's ever thrown a pass. I think it would be a different discussion. But there's enough uncertainty at a lot of places, Stephen. I think Ohio State fans need to know that and factor that in. It just so happens that we had a wave of guys leave, and there are multiple teams in a similar place at quarterback to Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think what's interesting is, and this is going to be something that be that's going to be interesting to watch over the next five years if this happens again, because I think what we're seeing the end of here is yes, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, this 2018 class, um, some 2017 holdover, but then also guys who transferred and were grad transfers other places, and so everybody's room is kind of resetting at the same time. Whether it's because you had a transfer quarterback as your starter the last two years, or a grad transfer quarterback, or you just the guy you recruited is is gone on to the NFL, with the one time transfer rule coming into effect, how many more times will we see this? Where we're once again going to be telling fans, yes, it seems like Ohio State's going into a weird situation where they're trying to figure out who their starting quarterback is, while also none of them having any real experience. Well, the rest of the country might actually be in the same situation just based on how quarterback movement goes on throughout recruiting in the transfer portal. Nathan, what does thinking about it this way, does it matter? Because, again, we're constantly putting Ohio State in the national title picture. We're talking about them all the time from a national perspective. And in the end, the real question, right, is the real question in this quarterback competition is, will Ohio State's quarterback be good enough for the Buckeyes to make the playoff? So then I think what hap- what's happening elsewhere matters at least a little bit, I guess. A little bit. And I think what's interesting is it's more of an effect on depth potentially than it is at the top of the room. I think I feel like they're setting themselves up with a a practice again in just this temporary period where things are a little bit more fluid than they normally would be. I think that always ensures that you should have a talent in the room who is of that level. I think what's going to be interesting when it comes to transfers is who's leaving. And then does it affect who Ohio State can bring in behind those guys? Because if you're Northwestern, you can go out and attract this is the second year in a row, go out and attract the transfer quarterback because they know they've got a really good chance of coming in and starting. Peyton Ramsey knew that last year. Um, Helensky knows that for this year. But in the future, when you've got Quinn Ewers here, and maybe he's the last scholarship quarterback left or whatever, if people decide to leave or, or, or whatever happens, then now you've got to go try to attract these guys, the transfers to come in behind him who are comfortable knowing that they're coming in behind Quinn Ewers. I think that's an interesting dynamic as we look forward for Ohio State. I mean, specifically, there, there are two things that are going to happen here in the transfer portal world, and it's going to show up most at quarterback, but it's going to happen other places, too. There are going to be schools who absolutely plan on the portal as a second round of recruiting. And for some of them, I think Northwestern is practically going to stop recruiting high school quarterbacks because they're never going to get as good of a high school quarterback as they will get in the transfer portal because they can let they can sort of let a guy who's in the 200 or 300s go to another school, be pretty good. The school not be as good as Northwestern and the Northwestern plucks. They just pluck the guy and it's like, well, we didn't have to develop him. We're not going to get a top 100 player at quarterback. So we're throwing darts anyway. So now once the guy's been on the field and he's shown whether he can play or not, we don't, the dart, our dart throwing gets much more accurate. So places like Northwestern wet quarterback are just going to use it as a primary thing. And then other schools are going to patch it, right? Okay. Well, Oklahoma is, they've got this quarterback thing, but you know what? They're kind of in between. They'll take Jalen Hurts for a year, right? Like, okay, well, 
Ohio State, they got Dwayne Haskins, but they missed on some dudes. They'll take Justin Fields. And it won't be a primary. So I do think it's going to be, you know, every now and then for some places and a regular thing for some places. And I do think this leads us, we just have to make sure, I want to use get to some of the texture input that we've had when we sent out this quarterback question to texters uh, from the two, five, six, when we just, when I, I'll get to the answers in a second. We mentioned Northwestern and Helinski in the Northwest, in the uh, big 10 quarterback rankings from the two, five, six Northwestern should be much higher on that list. And from the two, one, six, big miss on Northwestern Helinski is quite good. And then another one from the two, one, six, Ryan Helinski is being massively underrated. He's the fourth highest rated quarterback recruit in the big 10 behind only Kyle McCord, um, JJ McCarthy and CJ Stroud. He's even a little bit higher rated than Graham Mertz. He came from a football family, has had SEC experience as a true freshman. If you thought Pat Fitzgerald worked wonders with Peyton Ramsey, well, Helinski is appreciably better in terms of physical ability. Don't get me wrong. I'd rather have Ohio State's triumvirate, but don't sleep on Helinski at Northwestern. Steven, you're not along with this. I just, I just, I just missed the first time we talked about this, but that is a guy who potentially could be he's played he's played at south carolina yeah do 406 passes last year but could be better at least early on is in the running if we're talking about what big 10 quarterbacks could be better than ohio state he's in the running yeah 100 i i think what what we were discussing with that conversation were returning big 10 starters who were juniors and seniors and whatnot and that's not necessarily like a guy like halinski who's also showing up brand new at a program and learning the system and whatnot but just based off a talent standpoint yeah he's probably better than Graham Mertz and also I mean at Northwestern with all, they just might have a higher ceiling for what they're going to be able to do because they're not just a run first offense they're, obviously they're not an elite high powered offense but you put a, a quality quarterback and you combine it with that defense I think Northwestern's a scarier team to Ohio State than what Wisconsin is going to be we also left Tagovailoa Vailoa off of that conversation, too, when we had yeah. it on the pod. That was another mistake. We caught that mistake on our own after the pod. But um, another guy that for as much as we were kind of elevating Michael Penix, it made me when I thought about it later, I was like, is there like a huge difference? Like if if Tagovailoa went to Indiana, would they be appreciably worse than they would be if they had Penix? I don't know. Penix might be riding a lot on. I mean, he looked great in the second half against Ohio State, and he made the dive for the end zone against Penn State, which yeah. I think has gotten him a lot of yeah. juice. From the 616, I hope that people don't sleep on Tua 2.0. Um, I, I do want to run through. We had done quarterback rankings, and again, I'm not expecting our Buckeye Talk listeners who get a, get a poll on their phone on a random Wednesday in March. You're not supposed to research Big Ten quarterbacks. That's not fun. The texting's supposed to be fun. But it's perception, and I think perception does matter. And we'll all get smarter about this as we get closer to the season. Ranked the Big Ten quarterback situations, I gave people nine. Northwestern of the nine I gave was last, just because people don't quite realize it. But now they're going to start realizing it, and we should have realized it more. It went Ohio State, then Indiana with Michael Penix, then Wisconsin with Graham Mertz, then Maryland with Talia Tonga-Vailoa to his younger brother, then Michigan with J.J. McCarthy and others then Minnesota with Tanner Morgan, then Penn State with Sean Clifford, then Nebraska with Adrian Martinez, then Northwestern with Ryan Helinski. We, we realize it. We, I, again, that's my fault on that. The Michigan thing from the 412, Michigan is way too low here because I did send people on the text those results. So Michigan fifth, this person in the 412 says way too low. Outside of the Ohio State quarterbacks, the guy I would want most over the next three years is J.J. McCarthy. Texas may need to realize Ohio State was very interested in that guy, and he's no slouch. 
He may not pan out if his coaching situation fails him, but he's still the highest upside quarterback, not on Ohio State. I think it was maybe a little bit of a coin flip, right, Stephen, between Kyle McCord and J.J. McCarthy for Ohio State. They definitely looked at J.J. McCarthy, and J.J. McCarthy was mad that they picked Kyle McCord, and then he went to Michigan, and he said a really interesting quote to Ari, and like that's going to be a thing. If Kyle McCord and J.J. McCarthy wind up on opposite sides of the rivalry as starting quarterbacks at any point, it's going to be fascinating. People, I don't know that everybody realizes that. That's a five-star guy. It's the best quarterback recruit Harbaugh has gotten. And Ohio State took a pretty good look at him. Yeah. But, I mean, they just they, – it came to – I'm not going to say it came down to those two. Obviously, there were some other people in play. But they just went with Kyle McCord over J.J. McCarthy. Some things are just that simple. But also, when we're doing this, I think we have to consistently remember that, yes, there are some talented quarterbacks in the Big Ten this year, just looking at their ratings and whatnot. But also – not everybody's program has a quarterback developer who's going to maximize those talents to make it to the point where it is a discussion on who the best quarterback is, whether it's Ohio State's quarterback, or everybody else's. So, yes, Ryan Halinski was a highly rated quarterback, but Northwestern would, isn't going to develop that highly rated quarterback the same way Ohio State is going to develop its highly rated quarterbacks. And we don't know about Jim Harbaugh yet. So that's something we all I think we have to continue to remind ourselves of that as we are looking at the at least base level of talent of play at that position rise in the big 10. I do think we're having two separate conversations here, which I do think matters. And the texters have brought this up, the coaching, the talent around you, the system, of course, all that matters. I think the conversation we were trying to have is Ohio state with Ryan day, with Corey Dennis, with Chris Olave, with Garrett Wilson, with Nicholas Petit Frere, with Thayer Munford, with Trevor Henderson, would you take a different quarterback to plug them in here? That's sort of the question we were asking. Would you trade what they have for something else out there? I, I assume most Ohio State fans believing that all those things at Ohio State would help any quarterback. But then there is the separate thing of, well, because that's not actually going to happen. What is actually going to happen is the quarterbacks are going to play for the teams they play for with the talent they have around them for the coaches they play for in the systems they have and who will be better. And then I think you do have to factor in, well, if you're not throwing a Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, you probably won't look as good. Well, if your head coach isn't a great quarterback guy like Ryan day, you might not look as good. Right. And that's a, like the Ohio state quarterback. Then these guys have an edge on those guys for sure. Just based on that reality. I think people understand that Nathan, but inherently any Ohio state quarterback is going to look better than some other guys because they have so much around them right now. Yeah. And they get to play with the Ohio state defense at their back too, which I think is important. I mean, there's, there's a little bit less pressure on you there. A lot of times that you don't have to go out and play perfectly the way that you might have to in some other matchups with some other teams, because their defense isn't shutting teams down the way Ohio states can. We'll see if that happens this year. That's obviously still um, a little bit left to be, figured out but 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 no your point is a good one that it's we, we think of it only in terms of sometimes it's like a all things being equal but all things are not equal we we, we phrase the question that way as if well if all things are equal and you just had to pick one guy who would you pick i suppose there's an academic exercise to be had there but things are never equal that's the whole premise of big 10 football talking about some other quarterbacks in the conference from the 519 tanner morgan is the safest quarterback in the conference ohio state has the highest 
upside though. And I think, you know, again, when we're talking about Ohio state, we really are dealing with upside a lot because that's how you beat Alabama and Clemson with upside people shouting out JT Daniels from the six one four. I just want to get on the record that I think JT Daniels is a sure thing too, because I had listed who are the real sure things. And I think I said like Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, maybe Keaton Slovis. There's not a ton. And this person's saying, don't leave off JT Daniels. They were a different team once he settled in last year. And Georgia may have made a run at the playoffs had he been around the whole year. Um, I think that's a, a point well taken. And from the 216, JT Daniels is the truth over at Georgia. That team will be nasty next year. And it's a great chance to beat Bama as Bama breaks in a new quarterback, new receivers, and a new running back. Uh, I thought this was interesting. Five from RJ and the 513. I'm rolling with the baby Buckeyes at quarterback. They have Ryan Day developing them. They have a better offense around them. And they have a good enough defense that they won't have to blow the doors off the opponent every week. While the other quarterbacks would benefit from the system, they have already been molded at their current schools and would need to unlearn some of that to fit into what Day is doing at Ohio State. I'll take my chances on the inexperienced guy getting coached up and learning throughout the season versus dropping someone else in. Nathan, you kind of were coming at that, I think, almost from like um, some perspective there of like, you, well, you thought, well, I wouldn't want to trade these young guys and then get them back later because I want the year of development under Ryan Day for 2022. But there's also part of it from the sort of the reverse of that, of they're a clean slate. You know, they're not a transfer. And I think that is something that comes into it. You know, it didn't happen maybe with Justin Fields much because he didn't start at Georgia. But Ryan Day and Corey Dennis can put into these three whatever they want to put into it. Well, again, it's just the other interesting aspect of this is that we, again, we keep talking about it in terms of who's going to be the starting quarterback this fall, but they've got, this is the only three quarterbacks I have. Somebody's got to stick around and be the second quarterback this fall. And then this whole thing we presume starts over again next spring when Quinn Ewers gets here. It's, it's kind of what Steven was speaking to before. It's the, just the, the continuous, just how fluid this situation seems like it's going to be for at least a couple of years. And that that's again, unique compared to, to everybody else, but you're right because I think what's happening right now. And Ryan day was speaking to this today a little bit, right? About when he's talking about how this competition he thinks could go pretty much right down to the wire. We'll see if that ends up being true, but it is a constant evaluation that has to keep going on because people develop at different times. There's different timelines for when people come along. He knows that, you know, they believe in common accord and they know that they brought him here for a reason, but he may that year, maybe it does make a difference. And it's not until next spring where he really starts to take a leap forward. But by then you've got Quinn Ewers here. I just, it, it there's a lot still to be decided as far as um, how these guys all fall together. And it is kind of fascinating. I wish we could more, really watch the development who knows when we'll actually get to watch anything actually take place and that was another thing that i thought i i thought of today when ryan day's talking about like well you got to make sure not to you know these guys have to know you can't win the job in one day you can't win the job with one throw but it does make me wonder like the first time the ohio state beat gets to watch these guys if they will, if they'll think that somebody won this job with one game or one throw one day or one throw I think it is the, the, the having to unlearn things is, is interesting. I, I wonder what, even if he didn't start, he was still there for six months. I wonder when Justin Fields got here, if there were things he had to unlearn from his days at Georgia that Ryan, they had to kind of knock out of his system a little bit, but also I wonder because Ohio State's probably using this type of philosophy when they go about quarterback recruiting, if Georgia fans not are happy because they didn't get Justin Fields, but are they content with how it panned out? Because you still got a five-star guy starting this year, year and JT Daniels who, was a five-star along with Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. And after going through all that, yet yeah, you picked the guy, whether it was the wrong guy or not, fine. 
you ended up with a five star at the end of the day. Are you content at least with how things turned out, even if this is the way you had to get there? It's an interesting thing to think about because I think with as much guy as as much as guys can transfer now, if you're one of the five best programs, it's like is anything is any quarterback decision going to be that devastating? Because if you pick the wrong guy and your quarterback stinks, isn't there going to just be some great quarterback at another school who's like, well, I'll transfer there, mm-hmm. right? That like the idea of like even that if what Ohio State like has been stuck with Matthew Baldwin, right? That they had a couple recruiting misses. Okay, what are they doing? It's take. Now that the world that it is, I don't know that like Tate just didn't fit whatever. I don't know that we ever would have had Tate Martell, Matthew Baldwin competing to be Ohio State starting quarterback because they just would have gotten a different transfer. They just would have solved it a different way that you can. They would have gotten Jalen Hurts. I know there's not a million of them, but but that was just the beginning of transfer mania, too. Right. That was Justin Fields had to get a waiver and this, you know, like grad transfer. But it's going to be wide open now. Nathan, it's like it just is. I don't know that any quarterback decision is going to be devastating. Now, st- to Steven's point, they I think Georgia fans think they would have won the national title last year if they had Justin Fields because they had a great defense. They have a ton of talent and they didn't they didn't get their quarterback situation figured out in time and it kept them out of the playoff. And if they would have Justin Fields, their defense last year was better than Ohio State's defense. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, like, I, I do think that, but I think your point, Stephen, is well taken that Nathan, we just mean us maybe in a situation where Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, Oklahoma, Georgia, no, like, they're just never going to be an absolute, like, quarterback purgatory because the portal will fix it. Yeah, an 18 playoff last year with Georgia, and it would have been really interesting. I would have loved to see what the odds were on that. I, I will say, I think, though, that you can get stuck for a year. Yes. Like, you make the wrong decision yeah. in spring, a guy leaves. And, like, if, if if Dwayne Haskins had turned out to – they had been just really wrong on Dwayne Haskins or whatever. Well, you're stuck with him that fall. And if it doesn't – you know, I know they didn't even get to a playoff that year, but they were still really strong. I, I That's maybe not the best example. But, you know, if if you can you can still get stuck for one year. So, I think that's the important thing to remember. You can get into it. Like, Georgia – I mean, does Georgia think – Uh, say what you will about last year, but even just picking from over fields, I understand why it happened, but did that close some doors that might've been open to Georgia if they had made a different decision? Like you can look that you're only going to maybe sometimes see that in retrospect though. You probably won't feel it in the moment. It's going to be looking back. You'll say, Oh, that cost that program a year, but they were able to fix it pretty quickly because of the transfer portal. Uh, I want to get to this point. Uh, from the 440. Since the college football playoff started, a first year starting quarterback has won the title five out of seven years. I looked it up. It's actually four out of seven mostly. Um, the exceptions being Deshaun Watson and Joe Burrow. So, being an unknown prior to the season at quarterback isn't necessarily a bad omen. Whoever the Ohio State quarterback is at the beginning of the season may not finish the season. And there are three college football playoff winners who won it that way Ohio State in 14, Bama in 17, and Clemson in 18. So I'd take the loaded Ohio State room with multiple high caliber, high caliber options over all other Big Ten quarterbacks. For elite programs, experience at quarterback doesn't matter based on the stats. So they're counting Tua coming in in the second half of the national title game for a half as being like an inexperienced quarterback. So that doesn't really count. So it's really, it's really four out of seven where first-year starting quarterback. So 2014, it's JT and Cardale because Braxton gets hurt. So that definitely counts. And we are going to get to a very specific 
JT Barrett question about this in a second. 2015, this might be the best comparison, guys. It's Jalen Hurts as a freshman, and Bama wins it all. Jalen Hurts wins the, wins the quarterback battle in the preseason with some older guys who are kind of eh, and they win the national title. 2016, it's year three of Deshaun Watson, so that's an experienced, great guy. 2017, now it's year three of Jalen Hurts, but he gets yanked for the freshman at halftime of the national title game. It's the third-year guy who got you through the season, though, and made you a national title caliber team. So that's not fair to say a first-year quarterback won it for you. I know what the texts are saying, but I don't count that. 2018, it's Trevor Lawrence taking over as a true freshman. That's another comparison. 2019, it's Burrow in year two after the transfer. And last year, it's Mac Jones in year one, except he had started for Tua for half the year the year before, and he was a super old dude. So like Mac Jones, I get what the quarterback's saying. Nobody really knew much about him, but Alabama knew much more about Mac Jones than Ohio State knows about any of these guys now. So I understand what they're saying. There are actually two, there's actually three. There's three of the seven years that offer a reasonable comparison for the national championship team. It's Ohio State in 14 with JT, Alabama in 15 with Jalen Hurts, and Clemson in 18 with Trevor Lawrence. Those are reasonable. Those teams did not really know. Now, Trevor Lawrence is number one recruit in the country, but Jalen Hurts was not. Jalen Hurts was like the 12th best quarterback recruit in the country. So, Stephen, like there's the overall point that the texter is making that like, hey, you don't really have to know what your quarterback situation is in order to have a great season. That, I think, has been proven enough so that Ohio State fans fans should not be freaked out about their quarterback situation going into this year. I agree a little bit, but to push back, I think it was everybody knew Trevor was eventually going to take over that starting job in 2018. The ceiling was just higher than it was with Kelly Bryant. And then with Alabama's quarterback room was so eh that there was almost it's almost similar to Clemson's 2018 situation where let him get some experience before we completely give him the job. I think the 2014 Ohio State one is interesting. Is the most interesting one because it was a week before the season and you lost your starting quarterback and now you're trying to figure things out. Now, obviously, there's a little bit more time, but this is the only one that's purposeful. It's purposeful that you don't know anything about who your starting quarterback might be because it isn't necessarily circumstance or you just don't want to throw the young guy in there immediately. It's you, From the get-go, you understand this is how this is going to be. But to push back on that, it is some circumstance because we were just saying if CJ Stroud was 17 for 29 last season, we would yeah. know more. So like it's 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 not that it's a backup quarterback, it's that it's guys who have literally never played, and that was not planned. That was not planned. Yeah, that that's the one the pan you can't plan for the pandemic part of the situation. Outside of the the world going crazy, everything else about this situation was planned in a way that wasn't for Ohio State in 2014, but was for Clemson and Alabama in those years where they won the national title. Nathan, do you think, what what does this information do for Ohio State fans? Does it make them say, yeah, 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 you know what? We can win this. We're fine. Like, or no. I guess it's interesting to me that if you think that Trevor Lawrence is an example that shows how this can work for Ohio State, then I think it goes back to the conversation you and I had a couple weeks ago, which is, does that mean that Ohio State has to have one guy in place when the season starts? Because that's not what Clemson did that year. They let the, the Trevor Lawrence-ness of that develop over the first three, four, five games until it was time for him to be the clear number one starter. So I think if you're accepting that, then it means you should be open to the idea that maybe this team doesn't have one quarterback when the season starts. 
Yes, but also it's very different as you, you know, because that was the veteran who's not as good as the young guy and you're just letting the young guy ease in. That's This would be a change. This would be like, well, we thought this guy was good enough and he's not. You know, the the other one they knew was coming. It was a matter of when. I do think, for instance, if you look back, if, if Ohio State wins the national title this year, right? When you look back on it and then try when the next five years from now, people try to use Ohio State as a comparison, they'll say, well... It was a first-year quarterback, but he had the two best receivers in college football. He had two of the best tackles in college football. He had a five-star running back, right? He had a quarterback guru as a head. You know what I mean? That, like, there are as much as we're kind of finding the yeah buts when we try to compare Ohio State. Ohio State is kind of filled with yeah buts. Yeah. Buckeye talk. Right? That that that. Ohio State has a lot of things in place that most schools don't have when you're trying to develop and win with a young quarterback. They literally have the two best receivers in college football. Like, that's, that's what the lists say. And I don't know who would disagree with the lists. So, like, that is extreme. That is, like, not normal. That's Bama didn't have, Jalen Hurts didn't have that. He didn't have the two best. Trevor Lawrence didn't have that. He didn't have the, you know, like, this is crazy. So, I do think it opens up a yeah, but, which, which leads us to, just the idea of like, are you worried? Do you think they can do it? And it's like, there's a, there's enough reasons to think that either a, this is kind of normal or that Ohio state is set up to be the exception to the rule. I want to do this, this survey result real quick. Do you think Ohio state's quarterback play will be good enough in 2021 for the Buckeyes to win a national title? I gave five answers. Maybe was in the middle, maybe got 16%. Above that was yeah, for sure. And I think yes, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, for sure, got 24%. I think yes, got 42%. And then below maybe was, I think no, and definitely no. So as we always say, what are the, what are the extremes? The top two yeses got 66%. The bottom two no's got 18%. And the maybe got 16%. So I guess maybe we're talking to the 18% who are worried about it by saying, well, there's all these other reasons for them to be a yeah, but, or that this is kind of normal, but Steven, that idea that two thirds of the people are pretty confident that this quarterback situation is going to be good enough. Does that surprise you at all? Does that sound about right? No, because they have faith that Ryan day will continue to develop Heisman level quarterbacks, but also this quarterback has the type of safety safety blanket. I don't that I don't think the safety blanket for a first year starting quarterback who's never thrown a pass could get any better than what all these three guys have. Like you just mentioned, the two best wide receivers, literally the two best wide receivers in the country, a five-star running back and an experienced running back who may not have as high of a ceiling, but you know he can produce some quality, two best tackles, and then a bunch of five-star interior guys. Like, are you, Nathan, is that six, two-thirds pretty confident? Sound about right to you? Well, especially the 42% saying, I, I think so, but I'm not sure. I think that's, number one, just a – maybe just hedging their bets a little bit on the fact that one of these guys will for sure already turn out to be that great. Um, There's also, again, kind of going back to what I said before though, it's offense is only half of the equation for this team. So is this team, is this quarterback good enough to win a national championship with defense a or defense B and which defense does this team end up with? And we have a pot on that coming too. I have a good question saved to talk about that defensive thing. We're going to talk about this after the break, a very specific JT Barrett question in regards to these young quarterbacks for Ohio state. 
And Nathan has an update on who is winning. I don't know if I'm winning in quotation marks, winning the 299 person Buckeye Talk NCAA tournament pool. And the winner will get to be on this podcast. We all stink. We're awful. I mean, it's just devastating. But we'll see who's ahead next on Buckeye Talk. All right, Nathan, at this point, I don't know if it's a, is this, do you actually win? Is it winning or is it, is it like a, is it a punishment to have to come on this podcast? It's, Who's, maybe that fits. Is, I, I, I don't know how much research you did. I was going to look. Is there anybody that has their whole final four left? Because as weird as this tournament's yes. been, and we're recording this Monday afternoon before the Elite Eight games. So we know um, that there's still stuff happening. I'm, this schedule is still throwing me off a little bit. But but this is where we are. We're at the regional finals. There are and you could have three ones and a two might end up being the final four, which is very normal. Are there there are some people who still have that? So I didn't read back through every single entry, but I was looking at the ones who are near the top, and there is one person who is in the top, you know, twenty or so. It's Aaron's world class bracket. I didn't see a last name. Has all four final so Aaron four two A's or Aaron E R I N two A's two A's okay so, so I'll refer to them as as he um, has all four final four teams potentially alive and was the only person among again as I read through the top I don't know how many was the only one who had all four potentially alive they have Gonzaga over Michigan Baylor over Houston and then Baylor over Gonzaga so and especially because they were picking Baylor to win they're actually in really good shape it's pretty bunched up at the top. Uh, the leader has 61 points. His name is Brian Rutherford. I want to give him a shout out to be the leader as we get into the regional finals, get into the lead eight. I think he's probably about done, though, because he doesn't have a lot of points to still get out there relative to some other people. He does have Gonzaga getting to the final, but then losing to Illinois. Uh, so that's obviously not going to happen. A lot of people picked Illinois, actually. And so there's some people who are in good position, but they're going to start drifting back pretty soon. Uh, the person who actually is in maybe the best shape right now, well, it's either Aaron or they're also Nathan Furness, who's in second place, only one point back with 60 points. He got three of the final four, and he also has uh, – still alive. And he also has Baylor beating Gonzaga for the national championship. So he's in decent shape, but I think Aaron can catch him if if uh, the only uh, – he's got Houston winning that other region that, that uh, Nathan Furness had Illinois winning. Just that alone might be enough points to catapult him there. Yeah, I don't know who's beating Gonzaga. At this point, that looks, they look pretty stinking good. I, out of 299, I don't know if you guys checked on yours. I am 250th. I can tell you exactly where all three of us are. I, I don't want to know where I'm at. I know it, it's terrible. I know I have and, one and, Final Four team still alive. Doug keeps saying 299, and there are 299 ballots that show up, but a bunch of people like didn't fill them out or only fill them out partially. So it's really only like 275 full ballots that were f- filled out. So my 250 is even worse. You're making yes. that point. Okay, thank I you. I was going to let that point make itself. Yeah. I'm, I'm tied for 77th. I have four of my lead eights still alive and could get three of the four final four teams, including a championship matchup. Steven has four of his elite eights still alive and can get Gonzaga to the final four. And you have two elite eight teams still alive and can get two to the final four. You both had Gonzaga losing in the championship game. Yeah, I was really bad. I, I my original thing that uh, I had Michigan State to the Elite Eight to face Michigan, and then once UCLA beat Michigan State in the playoff game, playing game, I wiped all that out 
Yep. And that now that 11 is in the Elite Eight. I should have just kept the 11 in there because I didn't believe in Alabama and the rest of those Yahoos. All right. You, you got to take some chances to win a bracket. And so I never like – you took some chances. They just didn't work out. Like, but you have – in order to win a bracket, especially of like 300 people, you're going to have to take some chances on the under bracket. And um, there are some people who came through and uh, yours didn't. Mine did not. Nor, nor did mine. Nor did Stevens. All right. So I want to ask this about JT Barrett. From the 405, guys, the whole time I was thinking, would we rather have JT Barrett knowing his ceiling or these three guys? I think that JT Barrett is better than Michael Penix, but I'd take these three guys over either of them. So here's the reason that I find this so interesting, and it's because which JT Barrett are you talking about? Because I think JT Barrett got worse over the course of his career. So I don't think I would take like 2016, 2017 JT Barrett over this guy, over these guys. But I will tell you that 2014 JT Barrett thrust into the starting job after redshirting with an ACL injury the year, be- the year before, thrust in the week before the game started to do what he did that season in 2014 was absolutely remarkable. And I think If this young quarterback, the winner for Ohio State, I think if the I think if Ohio State's quarterback play in 2021 is as good as it was in 2014, they'll make the playoff. But also, I am not sure that JT Barrett, as people have said a million times, would he have beaten Bama? Cardale had to get him over the top. But in terms of being a young quarterback who can run it when he's in trouble, can throw it, makes good decisions, doesn't turn it over, is a leader, is unflappable, believes in himself, is tough, is physical, like all those things. JT Barrett in 2014 set a high bar. I think JT Barrett, like his ceiling isn't as high as the ceilings for these guys, but he got to his ceiling as a redshirt freshman in 2014 really fast. So I think it is a fascinating idea to take in And then by the end of JT Barrett's career, we were sick of him. And here I am saying he got worse. I'm sure somebody could sit down with film and say, that's a ridiculous thing to say, Doug. But doesn't it feel that way? Like it feels like he got worse. I don't know. It's not so much that he got worse. It's just that he stayed the same, which at that position, at the time that it was evolving into what it is now, staying the same is getting worse. So to your point, but also, I mean, if you, that 2014 roster was awesome if we're going to talk about having a lot of talent in the safety, like, I mean, we just didn't know it at the beginning of the season. Like we know it with this 2021 roster. We just didn't know Ezekiel Elliott was awesome yet. We, we thought Joey Bosa was pretty awesome, but he ended up actually being awesome. Uh, Devin Smith, we knew he was the same concept of your quarterback's inexperience. And, you know, we're not really sure yet, but everything else around him is awesome to kind of make up for that. As he progresses throughout the season, that theory is out there for 2021. So yeah, 2014 JT Barrett, I'd take, but that's the only JT Barrett I would take. So let me ask this. And, and this is where I think the, the, the comparison takes hold even more. From the 419, I think quarterback inexperience could likely mean we lose a game early in the schedule and therefore miss the playoffs. And somebody else said from the 925, they're trying to figure out like if, if Ohio State gets off to a good start, then they want to keep their guys. The question is, do the Bucs lose 
one or both of the first two games due to inexperience and thus cost themselves a chance for the playoff. If they're 2-0, and then no doubt that Ohio State's quarterbacks are the cream of the crop in the Big Ten, and there's no trade because you'd take those guys. So, Nathan, that's what happened. And that's the world we might be living in in 2021 is famously, everybody listening to this knows it. they lose week two to Virginia Tech. It's the albatross hanging around their neck and they have to do everything they did the rest of the year just to get in as the four seed. It's that bare front. They weren't ready for it against Virginia Tech in week two at home. Quarterback inexperience was absolutely part of that. They played a really good defensive team. He couldn't do much and they couldn't help him enough and they lost. And Oregon in week two, Nathan, could be very similar. And then the race will be on to come back from that. But I think when we, I think both, if we're asking like a, for a JT Barrett comparison, for trying to compare 2014 and 2021, you're comparing both the quarterback ability, the quarterback ability to get up to their ceiling pretty quickly, and potentially the ability to come back from an early season loss. But again, I think this is where the timeline question becomes interesting. And I see both sides of it because as much as I was advocating before for maybe this needs to be something that they don't have an absolute decision of by week one. And that's how you best assure that you get the best guy for week 12. But then now the other side of it is, as you're pointing out, you know, a guy gets doesn't really get to have as many first string reps until one week before the season. You're 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 learning on the run a little bit not that you weren't already in the meetings and, and doing, going through practices but it's not quite the same thing so is Ohio State does it need to make a commitment earlier to that get one guy who is solidified as the guy and then maybe that helps you avoid that early season stumble if they're more secure and more established um, and and more just fluent in the offense and 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 established as the leader does that help them avoid that early hiccup I, th- I see both sides of the argument that you're saying, I mean, part of the reason, yeah, JT wasn't ready is because he'd been the starting quarterback for two weeks. If they figure out a guy and he takes most of the first team reps in August working with the ones and they're ready to go, then that guy's going to be much more prepared for week two than JT Barrett was for week two because it was unexpected. I, I think it is a uh, I think it is a really interesting but, conversation. But in that case, they didn't have that decision to make. They had a starting quarterback. You weren't going to take him and wait, not not give him the starting reps to do exactly what we're talking about, which is get ready for the year. But this year, that's part of the decision process, right? When do you make that call and turn it over to one guy? No, but right. But JT wasn't getting them because he wasn't the starting right, quarterback. Right. right. Yeah. So, so whoever the starting quarterback in 2021 will have taken more first team reps before the first game of the season than JT Barrett did in 2014 because they didn't make the decision until Braxton got hurt. So to that point, they'll be ahead of the game, but, but, I, but, but still, Nathan, I do think the more you talk about that stuff, the more you bring back in having multiple guys is a bad thing because you're saying, well, what if they split up reps? Well, how will we know? What if they don't make the decision? It's like, well, Bryce Young and DJ don't have to worry about that. The decision is made and that competition we're talking about whether, and this will wrap us up, bring us right back around. A lot of the, the, the discussion here is, is competition merely a complicating factor for the discussion? Or is there any actual downside to the competition because it prevents a team from committing to a guy as early as Bama and Clemson have committed to their guys, right? That's really what part of what we're talking about here. It gives you options, but are you giving something up 
by not making a decision and handing over all the reps. You can grow comfortable in your indecision. And as a, as a coaching staff, you have to kind of put your feet to the fire a little bit and have a time. It can't be like it was with Justin, where you do the dance for the sake of doing the dance. And we find out the week that they're playing Florida Atlantic, that finally you're officially announcing Justin Fields the starting quarterback. I think they need to come in. They need to come in this fall camp with an idea. And after that first week or so, they need to pick a guy because by then you're probably down to two guys anyway, because you've at least had a conversation with somebody or somebody can kind of get the picture after the spring that they're probably in third place. You can indecision can kill your season. So that's, that's less about, that's what this, this style of recruiting quarterbacks and this quarterback, however you're going to go about it can create indecision in a way that it doesn't with Clemson and Alabama and Oklahoma and whoever else you want to throw into there. And that's what you can't have as a coaching staff. You need to know by week two of fall camp, this is our guy, and we're going to be preparing for the rest of the season with him in mind. I think that's right. And they don't have to tell us necessarily. Oh. But I, ju- I just, whatever, and I don't know that it is right now. If they're splitting reps, a third, a third, a third with the ones right now, they can't be doing that to your point, Stephen, like on August 20th. Right. You've got it. And then, but I don't think you even want to be at 50 50 by then. Like, you want to be a little like someone's starting to take 70%. And you want to keep the other guy ready. I get it. But someone has to start taking the majority of the snaps at some point. Uh, a couple more quickies from the 312. Uh, the answers are this is like the, the fact that 80% of people would take the current Ohio State quarterbacks. Those answers are banana land. I'm an eternal optimist, but putting that much faith in quarterbacks that haven't touched the field is silly. Based on what? Semi-worthless recruiting rankings? How quickly we forget about the Justin's Wicks, the Tate Martells, and the Joe Pickens. I don't know who Joe Pickens is. Um, that I disagree with. I mean, like, we can pretend that, like, uh, we're not going to pretend that recruiting rankings are meaningless. Trevor Lawrence was number one and Justin Fields was number two, and those were right. Um, but, the, but to the point is, like, all right, well, Justin's Wick took a little time, and then they figured out it wasn't him, and then they went to another guy, and then that, the other guy won the highest a couple of years later. So, I mean, I guess a lot of this is they're going to get to the right answer, but how long will it take as part of it too? Because in 2004, you know, Ohio state transitioned from Craig Krenzel to Troy Smith, but it wasn't instantaneous and they were really good in 2005, but 2004 was a transition of figuring it out. And could 2021 be like a transition and that it's worth it. I mean, Ohio state was like the fourth best team or the third best team in the country fourth best fourth best team in the country in 2005 and they were number one the whole season in 2006 so was going eight and four in 2004 in that transition worth it yeah you had to do what you had to do now you know if you can go 11 and one while you're transitioning that's even better but i I think almost like at the worst that might be what's on the table for ohio state that it's a little bit rough in making the decision and going to the guy but then you figure it out and then you roll again from the 419, I think this is a bit more nuanced. The Ohio State quarterback should blow away the Big Ten quarterbacks in production based simply off its weapons. Whether or not they'll actually be better might be hard to quantify. We will definitely be comparing him to uh, DJ and Bryce as the newcomers and maybe J.J. McCarthy uh, if he wins his job. And then I wanna, I'll want to i finish with this one because uh, this is the one that made me mad. Let's see if you guys read it this way too. I'm such a, I'm such a huge jerk. This is Jeff in Maryland of the three of you. I am most like Nathan in personality. So I read that and I thought it said of the three of you, I most like Nathan in personality. (laughs) 
And I was like, you're most like Nathan? What do you mean you're most like Nathan? How dare you? He won't even commit to anything. How could you not like me the most? And then I was like, oh, in personality. <laughs> you're not a maniac. You're like a sort of a, a you know, a thoughtful, um, you know, not swayed by whims. You're just a thoughtful person. That's what you meant. And then I picked up my shattered computer that I'd thrown on the ground on the suggestion that one texter doesn't like me. Of the three of you, I am most like Nathan in personality. Although I am Dougish in that I can rant with the best of them, I am Nathan-esque in that I need parameters and details in order to make a decision. When it comes to quarterback, I just can't rank any of the three over proven but slightly flawed talents like Michael Penix or Little Tua. It would not surprise me at all if the Ohio State quarterback is seen as the best in conference by midseason, but I cannot compare my imagination's rating of Ohio State quarterbacks with proven performance elsewhere. Nathan, that's Jeff in Maryland saying that he is like you in personality. Did you feel that text? Yeah. But it's it's in the, again right now the reason why we're asking Ryan Day all these questions and it's you're right that today wasn't so much about information but I think the the facts of how he looks at the process is important because that's all we really have to go by right now unless you know whatever we're trying to hear behind the scenes but not a lot of that seems to be leaking out and until it, it's one of those things where again. But much like Jeff in Maryland, when I finally do see these guys in person with my own eyes again, maybe it's not until the spring game. Hopefully it's before that. I'm skeptical at this point, but like I I don't want to overreact to that. I I think what Ryan Day was talking about today about how this needs to be an evaluation over a long period of time is true. And we want to talk about it with um, with intelligence and perspective. But we're only getting third hand intelligence and third hand perspective. So let's do this before we leave. And I'm okay going long on this because one, I think people miss us on the weekend sometimes. Every now and then I get a text or a tweet from somebody who's like, two days without Buckeye talk is too much. And I say, that's very nice of you to say that. Remember when we only did two of these a week? I didn't. Uh, two weeks ago, I did 11 podcasts in one week because we did six here because we had the emergency Oral Roberts one and it was Brown's free agency. And we were doing a Brown's podcast and I was on it every day. I'm usually on Brown's twice a week. I did 11 podcasts in one week. Even I was sick of me. So no, I can't remember when we did one a week. I can't. <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest. Doug I doesn't remember doing one per day. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I'll be honest. I'm not a thousand percent sure that five a week is like sustainable in perpetuity, which I'm not trying to like freak anybody out. I think there's a world where four a week might make the most sense or maybe three a week in the off season and five a week. During the, I, I, I don't know. That's just me talking, not the bosses who are like, I just did a hello fresh ad. So it's like hello fresh ad yeah, coming your way man. soon. You're a cartoon um, now too. I'm a cartoon. Weird. I'm a scary, scary. You can find it on my Twitter. I'm a, cartoon come to our baseball roundtable uh next monday opening home opener for the indians we'll be talking about baseball so but i do want to so i'm okay going long because it's the quarterbacks because it's like it's the start of the week and it's not the two-hour one but this is gonna be like an hour and a half but we really need to cover this and i do think the 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 pre-spring quarterback thing that we did for everybody 
got a little smushed because we dropped, like they lost to Oral Roberts that same day. And we dropped the Oral Roberts emergency pod on top of that pod. So we don't have as many listens on that pod as we do for the ones around it. I just really would encourage you to go back and listen to it because it's where we laid down the foundation for Jack Miller, CJ Stroud and Kyle McCord. And we're talking about it now and we're going to keep talking about it, but go back and listen to that. It'll help set the stage for all of this stuff. We talked to Ryan day on Monday, Nathan off the top. We said, Hey, we talked to Ryan day about quarterbacks. There are a lot of quarterback questions. You have already posted a story at cleveland.com about it. Give the good people just a little breakdown of what, 2% 2% more vibe we got from Ryan Day about these quarterbacks and how it's progressing. Well, again, just like kind of what I was saying that uh, he says, you know, all these guys are throwing the ball well, but what does that mean? They're throwing against air. Um, and that there's a lot of that goes into this. I thought one thing that jumped out at me was sort of, he said something about, uh, you know, talent's one thing, but uh, skill is another. And that was an important distinction. I thought that he said today was that there's there's raw talent, but the that being refined into something you would call skill is something, a process that's still ongoing with all three of these guys, and that will be more of the final decision that's made, more so than whatever underlying talent these guys are bringing into the conversation up front. Now, obviously, the more talent you have, the better skilled you can be at the end of the day, but I thought that was an interesting piece of perspective that it you know things like fundamentals and and all of those uh, those just like, sometimes hidden quarterback traits are very present in his mind more so than what we think of or what fans sometimes think of as far as, Hey, there's a star rating. There's whatever. The more he talks and it's why I asked him the question I asked him, which was like, when are you really, when can you really know, right? Does it take games? Because it seems like the more he talks, he keeps talking about things that like aren't going to show up in practice. (laughs) It's like the processing of the game. It's dealing with adversity it's being a leader it's like it's like all right they got great arms well they can throw against air right and and i think that's smart but he's a quarterback guru steve and it's like the more it just um it's not complicated but i just i just don't know that he can see everything he's going to want to see now listen they're going to go 11 on 11 a lot They're going to set up scrimmage situations without making the quarterbacks live. They're going to make as much game-like atmosphere as they can. But, but this guy, this Ryan day is not going to be the kind of guy who's like, whoo, whoo, that guy, you know, ripped a seam route in practice today. And he's the starting quarterback now. Yeah. I think when you are, you played and you, that it's your speciality in the position that we're taught that, is the most important when you played quarterback and then you were a quarterback's coach, it's a little harder for you to be impressed by stuff, but it's also a little harder for you to maybe make a decision on things because as you just said, sometimes you're looking for something that you're not going to see until they take the field in the actual game. And you can only do, but so much like he already admit, they're not going to make those guys live. So even in 11 on 11, there's not the idea that, Oh, you might get hit in this practice. Chris Holtman's kind of the same way with his point guards where you're never really truly happy with what's going on because you played the position, it's your speciality. So you look at it in a totally different way. And so whether this is a process for him or not, it, everybody else might say, oh, Kyle McCourt's clearly the guy, or CJ Stroud's clearly the guy, or Jack Miller's the guy. But Brian Day just might take that much longer to get there. And I wonder if Lincoln, Lincoln Riley doesn't have to deal with this in this situation. But if you put Lincoln Riley in the same situation, is he does he approach it the same way, given that he's also a quarterback's guy? 
is it a little bit harder for him to, you know, make any finite decisions on things because he's always looking for something that doesn't show up until you're actually in a game. We'll end with this. Every time Ryan day does that, Nathan, and just brings up like, well, all this stuff and like, you know, the stuff that's really going to matter. It just feels to me like it just keeps that door cracked open for Kyle McCord. Yeah. That it's just mm-hmm. like this, all this, all this stuff now, whatever, like you're just not going to know until you know. And when it comes down to like the actual knowing stuff, he's not that far behind. So I don't know. Like that's I, every time he goes in that direction, that's where my head goes, Nathan. No, I, I, I was the one who predicted when we so had I'm the asking you, down. I'm giving you credit. Take your victory lap. And it's, it's why, and well, I mean, who knows what will happen, but it's, it's why I thought that he legitimately could end up winning this job was because of just, again, his progression as a quarterback over the years and the, the high level background he had being groomed to be a quarterback, to be in this position. And I guess you'd say the same thing about Jack Miller. It happened later for CJ Stroud, but it did still happen. He's legitimately a, a good prospect for that position, a great prospect for that position. It just made me wonder if there might be, if, if that underlying refinement might make a difference, with the, especially just considering the things Ryan Day has been talking about since we started talking to him about this a month ago. We're going to keep talking about quarterbacks because that's what they're doing right now. But on the big Wednesday pod this week, we are going to try to figure out, do we think we've done a version of this before? Maybe. I can't remember. I don't care. The number one draft picks thing. Yeah. Yeah. We, think we, we did it last year. Yeah. I, 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 like I, I think it was a market on Monday. Yeah. I think you can just do this every year because the conversation is going to always. Change. We did. How many first round draft picks are on the roster right now? I think there was a market yeah. on Monday. I will look and see. So pro day is Tuesday. So we will talk about that on the Wednesday pod, but we don't want to do two hours on pro day because I don't think you guys care that much, but we will talk about the NFL and we'll talk about, we have a great texture question on how many first round picks there might be in 2022 off this team. But we also want to just look at how many first round draft picks overall do we think are on this roster right now? So we'll look at the pro potential of the guys on this roster. And then we will also take what we absorb from pro day. We're supposed to talk to some players after their pro day. We can't be there in person. It's going to be on TV. Nathan, what's the information if people want to watch this on Please. Tuesday on TV? Uh, it's either uh, one or one thirty on BTN. It starts okay. one o'clock, uh, one, one o'clock. PM. Yeah. And I thought ESPN and maybe somebody else was also going to be broadcasting, but I'm not sure, but I know it's, it's going to be on BTN. And um, then there's interviews and stuff after that that we'll be with. I don't know if they're going to be streaming those or not, but we'll be on those. We'll be posting those, texting from those, that sort of thing. So we'll do part of the pod before it, and then, but then we'll have some part of the pod on Wednesday that is like live reactions to Pro Day as well. So make sure you're listening. Make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash OSU. Drop the reviews at Apple Podcasts. I haven't gone there lately. Uh, there was one uh, a couple weeks ago. It was just very particularly mean about me. And then, and then my feelings get hurt. And then I don't want to look at that. I don't want to look at the reviews anymore because why would I want to make myself feel bad? I wish you could reply to reviews. Wouldn't that be a thing? Shouldn't that be a thing? You can reply to review. It's like, oh, yeah, you gave us one star. Well, take this. You Right? Doesn't that you, seem fair? You can on Yelp. I don't know why. For real? Apple, you can on yeah. Yelp? Yeah. I'm pretty sure you can. I mean, I, usually, I mean, I, I did a review of our last apartment, and usually when people say something bad, they just go, thank you, we will work on this. Or oh, if you say something no. good, it's thank you so much, we try so hard. No, that's not what Buckeye Talk says. It's a bad review. <laughs> thank you, we will work on this. Buckeye Talk, never. 
That is not one of our slogans. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. For Nathan and Steven, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>